This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to Behind the Influence, a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. I'm really a big advocate of like, if you have an idea and you think it's good, just start, like just go. To be honest, I have a structure now, but back in the day on that first episode, there was literally no plan. I don't think you need music training to make great music. I didn't really put it out there expecting much of an audience for a 12-hour detailed analysis of one album. <laughs> it's like pretty nerdy, you know? He's the brains behind my favorite podcast in the universe, Dissect, where he quite literally dissects the shit out of the most genius hip-hop albums coming from artists like Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, Frank Ocean, and Tyler, the Creator. Cole Kuchner, everybody. Hey, I'm going to steal that tagline. Dissect the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do dissect the shit. I mean, we could say you dissect the fuck out of them, too, because you do that. Yeah. <laughs> you also do that. And I think I'm allowed to swear here, right, Brian? Because I just I just really front loaded here. <laughs> <laughs> so good to have you here. Before we went on air, I was telling Cole that we've been trying to get him on forever because I've been obsessed with dissect since since my brother-in-law introduced me to it. I had a really interesting discovery moment with podcasts in general because of Dissect. Everyone was all on the podcast train and listening to this podcast. And I refuse to do it because one, I have the worst ADD on planet Earth. So I feel like for me to stay interested in something for more than one episode is very difficult. And we listened to the entire the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and I was hooked. Mm. We listened to the whole thing through and through, didn't skip a beat. Cole, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's funny that you you couldn't get into podcasts, but the one that you did get into was like a 13-hour deep dive on a single album. It's just, that's really funny to me. I mean, it's a testament to how good the content is because, yeah, I could have gone for like a very low commitment, 30-minute per episode. But yeah, we went we went really hard with you. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's weird thinking about people hearing or listening to my voice for that long, but no, that's really cool. I want to start out with some background, dissect you for a bit <laughs> before we get into the <laughs> before we get into the hard hitting hip hop questions, which I've carefully curated for my hip hop advisors. So life wasn't always Kanye West and podcasts for you. 
you are classically trained as a composer, but like, let's go even before that, how you got into the world of music. Yeah, I think my earliest memory is of my dad actually playing the Beatles really loud every Sunday when he cleaned the house. Mm-hmm. I always think about that as maybe it set me off some certain path because that's like the like literally the earliest memory I have. So there's that, and my dad really liked music and he'd play it really loud all the time. You know, I just so I just remember that. And then I started playing music formally at age 13 when I started playing guitar. Basically, right when I picked up the guitar, my life was oriented around music from that point and still is. So that took me through a few different iterations of what that means. It, it started as me playing in bands mostly and writing music for bands. And then when I got into my mid-20s, I went to, I was self-taught at that point, up until that point. But then when I was in my mid-20s, I went to school for classical music composition and kind of fell in love with classical music. You know, now Dissect is really my main thing, which is obviously a music-based podcast. Yeah, just ever since uh, I can remember, I've been a big fan of music and then also been playing music forever. So when you went to school to become a composer or at least study composing, what was the game plan at that point for career goals? Was there a plan or was it just something that you were drawn to and you wanted to just kind of see where it took you? Yeah, the plan. I mean, there's not really much you can do with your degree, honestly, especially one in music composition. So I was at, when I graduated, I was at a crossroads because I really wanted to keep going to school. I wanted to, to major in music history and get a doctorate there. But there was really nothing I can do with that degree. And then I got really worried that I'd just be in mountains of debt. So I decided against that. You know, I went, I think I went a year or two out, out of college, not using my degree at all. And then I started dissect and that ended up being my full-time job now. But yeah, there was no plan to be honest. I went to school for music because I loved it and I wanted to learn more. And I've always been less practical than I should be when it comes to that stuff. I just kind of follow my passions and hopefully the the uh, the rest kind of falls into place, but I kind of just got lucky with Dissect and was able to actually use my degree in a really weird way for what I do now as a career. So what what inspired you to kick off Dissect? Were podcasts something that you were interested in or how did that even come to fruition for you? Yeah, it's kind of a, like amalgamation of a lot of disjointed, I would say, interests and and events. And I, I all kind of ended up merging into one. So I think the main thing was that my I had my first daughter in 2015. And that's when I started to listen to podcasts and, because babies sleep a lot or they're just kind of sitting there for the first year. So I'd always have like podcasts going. And, and I heard that, you know, listening to people speak was good for like brain development. So I'd always have podcasts going on. That's when I really started to listen to podcasts. Uh, and like a lot of people, Serial was the podcast that got me into podcasts. I think everyone on planet Earth has has listened to, to that podcast. That was definitely a big inspiration to the world of podcasting. But before that, actually, I'll try to make this a short story. But essentially, I was like self-taught until I went to college. And I was pretty naive when I applied to the college that I ended up going to. Because everyone else had like formal training in music had been taking lessons for years and I was like coming in as a self-taught musician and I kind of snuck my way into the program because I auditioned with pieces that I already had written. So it kind of like, it kind of side skirted the fact that I couldn't read music really well at that point. But once I got into the program and like started taking classes, I realized I was like way behind everyone else. And so I either was like, I was like, I'm going to drop out. I was like literally to the point where I was either I had to drop out or just like figure out something else. 
So I found these things called the great courses. I always describe them as like podcasts before they're podcasts. They're basically like online lectures taught by world famous professors that you can download like an entire class worth of lectures and take an entire course. There's no homework. It's not for credits or anything. It's just for people that want to learn. So basically they have a whole suite of music uh, classes you can take. So I literally downloaded every single one of these music classes, which was like over 15 classes. And I kind of supplemented my lack of education in music with these classes. So it'd be like one course would be Beethoven and you would learn about Beethoven's life. You would kind of go through all of his musical works and kind of dissect those. All that to say, I basically formatted dissect in the vein of a great courses class because in those classes, you'll take a class on Beethoven and it'll be like 16 episodes or 16 lectures on Beethoven. And so I was like, well, what if I kind of just did that, but for contemporary music, because I love contemporary music and not, especially hip hop doesn't get this kind of formal analysis that I think it should. And then I was listening to podcasts. I was like, well, I can model it after the great courses and publish it as a podcast because podcasts are free. And I like the idea of just putting it out there so anyone can listen to it. That's kind of where the concept of dissect came from. How did you decide which album you would dissect for your first season. Yeah. So that kind of goes along with the story of my daughter being born. So the first season of Dissect was on To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. That album came out the day after my daughter was born. And I have this like really vivid memory of her coming home. It was the first day she came home and I was in her nursery holding her in my arms and listening to the albums on album on with headphones and the sun was rising because she like wasn't sleeping well. So I was just kind of sitting there with her listening to the album and like it just had this like incredible impact on me. One, because it's a great album, but also like this moment was like something that became really special. So I just kept listening and listening to that album. And it, it has this story, you know, there's a poem that's read in between songs and, you know, it's like comes to this grand conclusion of him talking to Tupac. I'm like, something's going on here. I don't really quite understand it. And it's way too intricate for me to understand just by listening alone. And so that's when the idea sparked. It was like, how am I going to force myself to take the time to analyze this work like I used to do in college with like classical works? And so that's all the stuff I just said before. That's when it all kind of started to merge together. It's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll do this like analysis, like the great courses, and I'll publish it like a podcast and I'll do it on Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. Okay. So it sounds like really easy now that we look back on these five amazing seasons that you've put together, but a lot of work goes into each of these seasons. I think I read somewhere that it's you take about 20 hours per episode. Yeah, that's probably a modest estimate. Yeah. It's like a lot of research and writing the script is takes a long time. So where do you even begin? Because there's lots of layers to the way that you dissect the album. You're sitting down, you're you decided to pimp a butterfly is case number one, maybe the only season you ever do because you had no idea it was gonna be this successful. What is your structure? What's your game plan? Are you treating this like a full-time job? Do you have a full-time job at the moment that you have to juggle this with and treat this like a passion project? Yeah, so I was definitely working full-time. So it was something I was doing at night when the baby went asleep, when my wife went asleep. I would just stay up late and work on it. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, I have a structure now, but back in the day on that first episode, there was literally no plan. I just, and I tell people this all the time, I'm really a big advocate of like, if you have an idea and you think it's good, just start, like just go. Uh, Cause a lot of people will kind of get in their own head and they, 
you know, it's good to have a plan and really develop stuff, but I've seen way too many times where that hinders people from actually doing the work and then they never even start because it becomes this big thing that they build up in their head. And I'm just someone that's like, just go, like do it, sit down, start writing. And all that stuff will like work itself out over the course of you just figuring out, you know, if you force yourself to do it, it forces you to then figure out how to do it. So all that to say, like, I literally just started writing about the first song. I just sat down with the lyrics and just started writing. Now I would say my process has changed a bit. There's a lot of initial research that takes place where I kind of create these like formal documents of sources and fact sheets and stuff that I can refer to as I work through the season. So I compile just like a lot of sources and information. So that takes a few weeks at least to kind of sort through and read interviews and watch interviews and just make sure I really know as much as I can about the artist and the album before I start writing. But once I get to the actual writing part, it's really just sitting down, listening, obviously, but also just taking it line by line, like writing out the lyric and then just writing a paragraph or two about it, writing out the lyric, write another paragraph or two about it. It's just like pretty straightforward. Uh, And the same with the music. It's like I just kind of figure out the chord progression or the production or whatever I want to talk about, you know, just take it kind of chord by chord and, and just start writing. I'm just I really love just jumping in and seeing where the episode or the song takes me. Um, that's kind of my favorite part because I end up always going places I'll never expect to go, you know, before I sat down. Was there a moment within the first season while you were researching anything that caught you off guard or that you were surprised to learn either about the music world or about Kendrick specifically? Um, it's hard. I mean, that was like a long time ago. I think that, I mean, the thing that still sticks with me now, and especially because I'm now doing Kendrick again for season five, uh, doing Damn. It's just how intricate his work is. I'm just so blown away with what he's able to pack into these songs, these overarching narratives across the whole album, but also making songs that function as just singles or music. The way that he's bridging this intellectual world, this narrative world with this world of like more commercial, successful music is, I think, it's the hardest thing to do in music. It's really... I wouldn't say easy, but it's like if you want to make like an artsy album or something that's really heady and intellectual, yeah, you can go do that. But a lot of times those projects just become like, you know, not a lot of people are going to listen to them. The the appeal is limited. And so I have really great respect for someone like Kendrick who's able to do both. I think it's it's just incredibly hard to do to pack that much intellectual meat into a work, but also keep it to where people want to listen to it over and over again mm-hmm. yeah that's so that's the kind of thing that sticks out for kendrick because yeah if you you can definitely just listen to kendrick's music for surface level enjoyment you know but those who want to dig in deep it's going to keep giving back the more and more you give it the more and more it's going to give you and you can't really say that about a lot of albums to that point are you able to high level listen to anything anymore <laughs> can you just enjoy a song and not break it down in your head because you're so used to doing this with so many great albums no yeah I I definitely can still do that I think it's I just get myself into a certain mindset if I want to think about something I definitely like in my own head I'm approaching it way different than if I just want to put something on to feel good or whatever Mm -hmm. so for that first album or for that first season was there any fear surrounding maybe Kendrick hears this and doesn't appreciate it or doesn't look at it the same way that I do or I offend somebody were there fears that were that accompanied this really fun passion project that you were putting all of your time your extra time into yeah I don't well I don't know if it was a fear of 
Kendrick himself, definitely for the first season, there was some hesitance about me being a white kid from the suburbs dissecting, you know, specifically with To Pivot Butterfly. It's basically Kendrick Lamar's story of escaping Compton and the gang life that he was born into in Compton. I definitely thought about that, you know, like, who am I to kind of do that? But the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I was, I kind of approached a closed door. And on the other side of the door was essentially what I viewed as an education. I can open this door and attempt to learn as much as I can about someone else's experiences that, yeah, admittedly, I have no idea what that is like. Or I can keep the door closed and then be even more unfamiliar and unempathetic to that story. So ultimately, I chose, obviously, to to go ahead and do it. And how I justified it in my own head was just to be as honest as possible. Like That's really all I could have done is do it with as much integrity, as much research, and just do it as much justice as I can and go in knowing that I don't actually know anything. And that's kind of like what I liked about it was I actually do not know anything. And I can use this music to learn more about an experience that I have you know, I don't know about through season one. That's really what became kind of the the thesis statement, I guess, of dissect is like through Grease, great works of art through these albums, you know, that tell a very specific story about one person or one person's experience by studying these works of art, we can actually learn more about people that we don't quite understand or experiences that we don't haven't lived ourselves, And that's become a really big passion of mine. And, you know, I talk about empathy a lot on the show. That's kind of what I'm grounding dissect in is like, yeah, through these experiences, we can get closer to people that we otherwise maybe wouldn't have been as close with. So yeah, that was a fear, but not anymore, really. And to that, did, did you ever hear feedback or through the grapevine that Kendrick did hear the series? No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like I know that I know his camp knows of it. I don't know if Kendrick has listened uh, personally. I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. he has. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, <laughs> it'd be cool if he did, but it's not really... That shows, honestly, not for him. It's for people that it's actually really cool that people are just actually listening to this in the first place because I didn't really put it out there expecting much of an audience for a 12-hour detailed analysis of one album. <laughs> it's like pretty nerdy, you know? I don't know. I think you kind of nailed it with picking the perfect podcast subject. Like you said, if you have integrity and you put research behind something, anytime you walk away from a situation and you're learning something new, it's like, you know, this information and you can name drop it at the next dinner that you go to. And you can say, well, if somebody's talking about a song, you've just listened to Cole's analysis of it. You can then drop some knowledge on people. I think that's great. I think it's really wonderful. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Season 2, you take on Mr. Kanye West. And this is when I believe you started a Patreon. Yeah, season two. So what what inspired you to to go the Patreon route? Yeah, I mean, at that point, I got enough of an audience in season one. I wasn't huge, but it was something. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I can turn this into something. Maybe I can eventually take this full time some way, somehow. And so Patreon was an easy way to start getting income in. I like the idea of it being kind of crowdsourced and actual listeners of the show voluntarily giving because I had no ads at that point. Yeah, Patreon just seemed to make sense at at, at that point. Obviously, I, I don't do it anymore. But you know, by the end of season two, I had it wasn't nothing. It was getting close to something that I could maybe quit my job because even through season two, I was still working full time. And so it was definitely a tool that I thought was could be useful and it ended up being very useful. I was able to buy new equipment. I got a new microphone. I put all the money that I had earned on Patreon back into the show. For that time, it was definitely very valuable. At what point were you thinking this could really be something that I take on full time? Because, I mean, you had a new baby. You're also working a full time job and you're doing something that I think I I don't know a lot of people that could do this just with this being the only focus. The story looking back, it's kind of crazy. On season two, I started saying at the end, it's like, I want to do this full time. I kind of just started putting out there in the credits, like I'm trying to do this full time, support me on Patreon, putting it out into the universe. Like I want this to happen. Like, I think there's something in like vocalizing intent helps it come into fruition. And so I said that throughout this, the second season, but by the end of season two, I was exhausted. My relationship with my wife was getting like, you can imagine me working on this all the time, having a new baby working full-time. There was some stressors there. By the end of season two, I don't think I could have done a season three without something changing. It all lined perfectly because near the end of season two, I got a call from Spotify and they were interested in the show. And long story short, I ended up 
partnering with Spotify and I was able to quit my job. And I now, for now two years, almost done from season three on dissect as my full-time job. That's incredible. So for people who don't really know how the whole podcast world works, what advice would you give somebody who's trying to start a podcast, wants to make it their full-time thing? If you could, in hindsight, give yourself that same advice that may have helped you along the way, or maybe you did everything as you should have. Yeah. I mean, if I started out with the intent that I wanted to do it as a job, I wouldn't have done it in the way, like I wouldn't, like in a million years, if you asked me to make a podcast that I think would become popular enough to quit my job and just do that for a living, I would not have selected a 12 hour analysis of a single album. Like it just doesn't make sense, but like, because I'm passionate about it and just because I did what I wanted to do, I think that has a lot to do with the success of the show. So my, my, I guess my advice would be do what you want, do what you're passionate about, format it in a way that makes sense to you, do what you want to hear, make the content that you want to hear and kind of let the the rest fall into place. Cause I don't think there's a replacement for authenticity. I think that's a, a big reason why dissect works is because, you know, I believe what I'm saying and I, I did it for no other reason than like just pure passion or at least it started out that way. So yeah, I mean, I would suggest just like do what you want to do, do what you're passionate about and don't really worry about the rest, at least not in the beginning. I definitely started to worry about that more and more, but conceptually, yeah, I just did what I want. And I think a lot of the successful podcasts out there, at least from like personality types are just people talking about what they're passionate about. So I would just suggest that really. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have any favorite podcasts that you listen to? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I mostly listen to NBA podcasts now, actually. Ironically, it just podcasts, it's like my job. So I listen, I think, differently than most people. But NBA podcasts, I've just allow myself to just enjoy it. There's not too much critical thinking going on. I listen to like Bill Simmons, The Ringer NBA Show. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts too. I'm definitely like an escapist now when it comes to podcasts. That makes um, total sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So you've had five, you have five seasons under your belt so far. I would imagine that other opportunities have come through the success of Dissect. For example, I was thinking, I wonder if artists are now approaching you to advise. Is that something that has happened? Uh, I don't know about advice. I mean, I get art artists requesting that I, you know, do their album next or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I didn't mean that. I meant like, cause you so critically and perfectly break down what makes an album incredible. Like if I were in the music space, I would want to pick your brain and, and help me figure out how to create a genius album. Like the ones that you've already covered. Uh, no, nothing, nothing like that. Really. I'm genuinely shocked. Have you heard from any of these artists that you've covered, whether it's Frank Ocean, Kanye, Tyler, the creator, have you heard from any of them being like, yo, I heard your podcast. Love it. I've never talked to anyone directly. I've definitely heard things through the grapevine. I know Tyler, the creator, retweeted some stuff so and i heard that he did listen and that he did like it i know frank ocean i'm pretty sure he listened to at least the first episode to me like silence is the best to be honest with you <laughs> it's much more likely that an artist will come after me because they don't like it than if they just like it or just think it's cool and just like okay that's cool like it's it's content about me and they don't think much of it I'd much rather have that than them coming after me because i got something terribly wrong or whatever so 
Uh, I'm way, I'm really good. I'm, I'm good with silence. You featured Kendrick twice, Kanye once, but he did just come out with a very interesting album. Are there any plans to potentially break down Jesus is King? Uh, I don't think so. It's, I mean, it's too short for one. If I was going to return to Kanye, I don't think it would be that one. You know, I like it. I, I mean, it's still formulating thoughts that just came out a couple of days ago. But yeah, I don't know if that would be the one I would do if I went back to Kanye. If you went back to Kanye, which album would it be? Uh, Yeezus, for sure. That's my favorite one. So music's discovered and consumed in so many different ways now, especially with all the advances in technology, streaming platforms, social media. And musicians more and more are making music catering to be successful on those platforms. What do you think this means for the music world? Historically, I don't really view it as any different than all the trends that happened in the past. You know, like people used to format their albums on how much, you know, you can fit on a vinyl and side A and side B. They would, you know, if you look at old track lists, they're way different than they are today, where it's like, there's a very deliberate split between side A and side B, and you'll have strong singles that start side B that come on the middle of the album, which if you didn't have that division between side A and side B on a record, like they would definitely not do the track listing like that. So I kind of see streaming acting in a similar way where it's like, yeah, some artists are figuring out that shorter songs will get more streams. And so you have like little Nas X and even Kanye's new record, like most of the songs are two minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds. So they're kind of like catering to this new world. But sh songs were that short, like back in the 50s and 60s, uh, that was pretty normal. It wasn't until like the 70s that people started really elongating or maybe a little bit in the 60s. But I don't know. I mean, I just everything's cyclical. Things come and go. Like, I think it's great that streaming allows people to listen to more artists than ever before. There's a lot of cynical things you can say about streaming, too, and that's totally fine and, and probably valid. But the convenience for the consumer, I would say, is pretty paramount. And I think that's evident in that no one buys CDs anymore. Spotify or Apple Music, they offered a service, but it was the consumer that really changed things. Like we didn't have to use streaming. We could have kept buying CDs, but it just came a point in history where that just didn't make sense anymore. I tend to view it from a historical perspective, from more of an optimistic perspective and just Artists are going to do what they do. If they want to cater to streaming services and make short songs, like they'll do that. But then you have people like Kendrick Lamar and Frank Ocean and and people that are making these concept albums that aren't really catering to streaming in that same way. So you're always going to have both, I think. And I think that I'm not really worried about great artists making great art. You know, that's always going to exist, whether. It's streaming records, CDs, like whatever. Mm -hmm. And and just on the on the topic of access and technology, two different types of music. Do you think that that's helping shape better music? Because now all these artists have access to so much variety, right? And they're not necessarily classically trained. So do you think that these this exposure is helping shape? better music for the future yeah i do i mean it, i don't see how it could hurt i mean you yeah you could potentially listen to a lot more than you used to and so you would in theory get more influences than you than you used to be i'm of the opinion that just great artists are born and they'll figure out a way it doesn't matter what generation they're in doesn't matter what technologies around great artists create great art and i think that's going to be true 
It was true thousands of years ago. It's going to be true thousands of years from now. The medium is just kind of a byproduct. It, it's secondary to great artists having something, some kind of clay in front of them and making something great out of it. And, you know, the clay itself might change, but the artist is still there. It's, it's kind of an intrinsic trait. So for the artists that don't have the classical training, you think that they're just born great artists. It's just raw talent that's there since day one. Yeah. I mean, Kanye West is a great example of this. He's not formally trained in music whatsoever, like literally no knowledge of any theory from what I know. But he got a sampler when he was when he was a teenager. And from that sampler, he found a way to create like a Kanye West style, use the influences at that time. But more than anything, it was just him sitting down and creating on what he had in front of him, at that, which at that time was a sampler. So I don't think you need music training to make great music. I think that's been proven time and time again. Hmm. I don't think it hurts, but I don't think it is necessary at all. Where is where are some of the places that you like to discover music on the topic of like streaming and the Spotify's of the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I use Spotify and they are scarily good at suggesting new music to me just based on my listening history. So even, yeah, it's weird too, because I'll listen to a lot of kids music and then I'll listen to like a lot of classical and then I'll listen to a lot of hip hop. So you would think like that would be kind of confusing for the algorithm, but they somehow serve me like great stuff uh, pretty consistently. But then I'll, use, I'll like, I kind of every month make it a point to listen to like Rap Caviar, which is one of their biggest hip hop playlists. That's one of my favorite playlists. Yeah. And that's like, for me, like someone that's like studying, I would say the culture, like from a historical perspective, but like in a contemporary way, because I don't really have time. Like I used to, to find that SoundCloud artist that is getting popular or whatever, but Rap Caviar seems to have their kind of ear to the streets and um, they serve up a lot of artists that I didn't previously know about. And so I kind of tune into that to just make sure I know what's going on. Even if it's not something I would personally listen to, it's like I need to know kind of what's going on. So I kind of use that. There's a couple other playlists that I use for the same reason. What are some of your recommended playlists? If you were to recommend like somebody's new to Spotify, you guys are kind of into the same kind of music, what what would you recommend people check out? The the official Dissect podcast playlist, duh. <laughs> Actually, it's really cool what we, we did. I haven't done it in a while, but I did listener-generated playlists. So I had a theme. Um, one theme was uh, a perfect song, basically. So every listener, and I did this through social media, got to choose one song, and it was a public playlist so they can go in and add their one song that they consider to be perfect. And then now we have a collect it's over like a hundred and something songs and you can just put it on shuffle and it's a great diverse playlist of dissect listeners that you know the one song that they are allowed to put on that they consider perfect is on there so this is so uh, good i'm looking at it right now and it's so funny i'm not making this up so we just had a baby four months ago and literally every night my husband it's like when you were describing your AirPods in, listening to podcasts with the baby doing like the late night shift. That is literally my husband right now. <laughs> nice. And it's so funny because the very first song, Skinny Love, well, at least what popped up for me is the song that they start their nighttime routine on. Like Skinny oh, Love awesome. is on. They just got out of bath time. He's getting lotion. <laughs> We're making the bottle. And it's just, this is a great playlist. Yeah, it's a great one. I returned to that one a lot. I love how I made this whole thing a story about my son's bath time routine. I just really wanted us to feel like, you know, 
We're the same, Cole. We're connected. Yeah, we are. I just had a baby too. Well, not just. I have an 11, 11-month-old now too. So I got to, to relive the process, you know. So two babies. How old is yep. the older one? Uh, four and a half. Oh, wow. Four and a half. So this is literally at the beginning of all these things. And you can thank your four and a half year old for this very successful podcast. I'm going to go ahead and yeah, give pretty all much, credit. Actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you kind of a random question, but this is to me, one of my favorite things about movies are movie scores. Do you have a favorite movie score? Uh, I really like There Will Be Blood, which was done by Johnny Greenwood. It's a P.T. Anderson film. And actually, his most recent score for another P.T. Anderson film called Phantom Thread, that one is beautiful. I listen to that probably more than any score soundtrack because it just, on its own, sounds really great. A lot of times when you listen to like soundtracks or scores on just by themselves, it doesn't really make sense and things come in and out and it's kind of weird. But Phantom Thread is like beautiful just on its own. I also like Eyes Wide Shut soundtrack. I like it more for the way it's used. But yeah, I would say those are those are up there. Why haven't you dissected, unless I missed another note, <laughs> a movie score? <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually thinking about how to do that. It's just hard because you don't have the visual aspect. So I think it can be done. I would just have to do it carefully. So it's definitely in something I'm thinking about, but no immediate plans to do it. I think that would be sick. But yeah, that would how how would one execute? I bet you Cole Kuchna would figure out how to execute yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, someday. I'm trying to get Spotify to add visuals to podcasts. So when that happens, then maybe we can do that. So what's next for you, Cole? Are you going to just keep making these incredible seasons come out of Dissect for the until the end of time? Maybe. I don't know. If people keep listening, I'm going to keep making them. But yeah, I mean, I'm working with Spotify on a few other shows too where I might not host, but I'll kind of help creatively execute and um, we're kind of brainstorming some spinoff ideas from Dissect um, and kind of expanding the brand. So yeah, I'll definitely be doing more traditional seasons of Dissect, but I also hope to be doing some things spun off of Dissect soon too. So no, that's awesome. You have to keep us posted on that or we'll just continue to stalk you. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I would like to play a little game. We realize this might be a risky one because I'm basically making Cole release an episode without even knowing it because I wanted him to break down sicko mode, which to me is one of my, I don't know. I just, I love that song and I literally never get sick of it. What do you think of that song before we even get into that? I like it. Yeah. I've been listening to it in a while actually, but when it came out, I was definitely listening on regular rotation i think i really like it because it's just so different and you don't you know the first time you listen to it you don't really expect anything i don't even know how to do this should we just play it and see what what emotions come out of cole's soul and he just like breaks it all down (laughs) for us and then we sell it to spotify for 10 million (laughs) dollars okay let's let's try this out we're gonna just play the first little part and we're just gonna see how this goes if it's awkward and weird this whole part gets cut out as if it never even happened and then we play another game and I'm just going to stop it after a part where I feel like something deep can be discussed. All right. <laughs> Astro. Yeah. Sun is down, freezing cold. That's how we already know when it's here. My dog will probably do it for Louis Bell. That's just all he know. He don't know nothing else. I tried to show him. Yeah, I tried to show Yeah, 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 yeah Gone on you with the pick and roll Younger Flame here in sickle mode This here with all the ice on in the booth At the gate outside when they pull up they give me loose That feels like a good place, okay how are we feeling about that intro? It's really clever. So it's like this grand buildup. There's no drums. And when drums come in, it's like building to this moment. It's interesting because they use the same two chords over and over and over and over and over and over again. So you're used to this pattern. Um, whether you know it or not, your your brain is now hooked onto this two chord progression. It's an entire buildup all to basically fake you out and make the actual beat of the song more effective. Like I guarantee if they didn't have that intro and you just started with the actual beat that comes in when Travis comes in, the song would not work or it wouldn't work in the massive hit that it is now because everything's pointing to one direction. And then when they actually drop the beat, it's not the beat that you were expecting at all and then you also get the switch between drake to travis which is unexpected because it's like why would you just feature drake for like four lines in an intro and then go you know what i mean so it's like the structure itself is like i think like the main reason why this song works so much there's a tempo change too so not only are you getting a totally new beat but that beat that does come in is in a different tempo and it's faster than the one than the two chord progression that you kind of get used to and that it must be like 45 second intro it to me it's like the ultimate pump fake yeah I, that's brilliant actually um the way that they did that would you ever 
because I was I, I don't want to put you through this. And also, I don't want to downplay the amount of research yeah. and thought that goes into every single episode that you do. So I'm not going to make you I won't torture you through the entire song. <laughs> but I do want to would you do one off singles in the future versus just covering an entire album for songs like Sicko Mode that are clearly different than the rest of the songs that are released? Yeah, I've definitely that's definitely one of the limitations of the show as it stands now is that obviously I just do one album at a time and it takes all this research and, and then it's like a three month, four month season. It never really made sense to me to then drop in random episodes while we're focusing so narrowly on one artist. It just kind of, to me, it would take you out of the experience of that. But that's like I was saying, like other spinoff shows were working on conceptualizing would allow me to not only just do singles, but do other genres, uh, maybe experiment with film. But um, so that's kind of trying to figure out the best way to do that, because I definitely would like to get out of have a form where I can get out of the album structure and just do kind of one off stuff. Do you think for dissects purposes, you'll stay in the world of hip hop? Yeah, I mean, that's the plan now. I've kind of found a niche and I'm not sure if it makes sense to diverge from that right now. So again, I think it makes more sense to start something new that I can keep this dissect main show like on brand and in the world of urban music or whatever you want to call it. But I would definitely love to explore other genres somehow. So working on it. Awesome. Does Sorry. your wife ever make any requests for albums for you to cover? No, my wife doesn't really listen to music, ironically. Stop. Um, yeah. And I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She just, she mostly, I think, listens to like whatever my daughter wants to listen to now. Yeah. Music's not really one of her passions. She's more of like scientific mind. That's so funny that you have a whole, your entire... <laughs> life's work right right now <laughs> is all about music that's really funny um okay yeah. so any new artists that you're excited about that the the listeners should check out yeah ybn corday is really good kind of relatively new definitely young rapper that i think is uh gonna be something really special here in, in a few years he's already special now but i just saw him actually i think he oh, was he yeah the logic concert and um at the Hollywood oh, okay. Bowl. I'm pretty sure he opened. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. So his new album, Lost Boy, is really good. There's another artist I've been listening to lately that is definitely way more low-key than him in terms of like popularity right now. His name's Grip, but he has a new album out. Uh, the, the album name is eluding me right now, but um, it's really, really good. I would definitely check out Grip. Kind of classic rapper in terms of like he takes his lyrical ability or his lyrics very seriously but he has like cool modern beats super innovative so grip's definitely really good jid he's more well known probably than all these guys but he's someone i think has a really bright future too it'd be interesting to see if you would break down any of the newer artists give them some clout yeah i mean that's i would like to but i don't think dissects at a point where i can like break artists i'm telling you that you are cole <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe with the other the other feed eventually we'll we'll do more new artists but for the time being i like doing the the bigger artists that are making because they're make they have the most impact so like i kind of always try to weigh the impact and the kind of artistic integrity and i try to choose people that are doing both uh, i think all the artists that i've chosen so far are doing both part of the idea of dissect is like honoring the great artists in their age right now as if they are dead because a lot of times you don't get these kind of 
critical academic style analysis until, you know, 50 years down the line. But there's something really interesting about me, like for me at least, approaching contemporary, like very contemporary music, aside from Lauryn Hill, every album I've dissected is like within five years old. They're current, but they're also legends at the same time, which yeah. is which is a hard yeah. thing to find both. Is there anyone on that list or on your list that hasn't made the cut yet for the the series that you'd like to dabble into? Are we going to see a Jay-Z happen? If Jay-Z ever gets on Spotify, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't think shit. that'll happen, though. Are you, uh, so are you not, you're not going to feature anyone who's not on Spotify, huh? You kind of can't now. It's a, it's a Spotify podcast. That doesn't probably, really make probably sense. Probably won't work for you anymore, you know? huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do Jay-Z eventually, though. He's obviously a legend. Yeah, Jay-Z would be great. Outcast, maybe Andre 3000 or something would definitely be up there for me. Uh, Beyonce would be great. I like Solange a lot, too. A lot of requests for J. Cole. Yeah, J. Cole um, would be incredible. Yeah, so he's definitely on my radar. A lot of ch- requests for Childish Gambino. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot to work with. I, you know, I have a lot to choose from, which is good. So you have to put on those 20 hours, and I feel like I just keep taking from chipping away from your 20 hours <laughs> right now. <as> yeah, <laughs> the podcast is going to suck now. It's so, all because it's... I'm just wasting your time over <laughs> here. But um, something that will probably make us all dumber let's play a game (laughs) all right right, so we're gonna play a little game we're gonna play a couple of seconds from each track and cole is gonna being the hip-hop genius that he is he's gonna identify them immediately (laughs) right cole well let me preface by saying i do not consider myself a hip-hop genius Oh, that's Snoop Dogg, obviously. Uh, rolling around the street, smoking endo, sipping on gin and juice. Got it. I grew up on that song. Yeah, who didn't? Are we aging ourselves out, Cole? <laughs> okay, ready? <laughs> yeah. Still forgot about or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is that the name of the song? Forgot it's obviously about Dre. Eminem and forgot about Dre. Yeah. Got it. Nailed it. It's all good, baby, baby. Uh, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Uh, Biggie Juicy. Yeah, and it's so sad because, like you said, he's gone already, and you want to celebrate these people while they're around. I bet you would have covered Biggie if he was still here. Yeah, yeah. At that time, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Black, it's time. Word. Word, it's time. Do you know who that is? I don't. It's Nas, New York State of Mind. Oh, I should have got that one. Uh, today was a good day. Yeah. Here is the last one, also an OG classic. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, out Oh, Tupac. Your mama. Yeah. What if you did a series of people that are like no longer with us, but just badass, and you don't have to do their whole albums? Listen, I can be a producer on the whole thing. I'll just be there for you. <laughs> that sounds cool, actually. Like a legacy mini series. Yeah, or do a legacy series where you feature all the good ones that are no longer with us, because there are tons. It's a good idea. I'm going to steal it. Stick with me, Cole. We could do big things. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I had so much fun talking to you. I know you have lots to do. I'm sure your day is so busy with, you know, nursery rhymes plus a little Kendrick. Uh, yeah, mostly kids and Kendrick. Kids and Kendrick for the rest of the day. We are so grateful that we got to squeeze in to part of your day. We really enjoyed talking to you. I'm so excited to see what you're cooking up. It sounds like you have a lot going on and more things to come. And I'm I'm just I'm just excited. Now we can say we had Cole Kutchin on the show. It's like you can't take that back, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Everybody check out Dissect Podcast. You can get it on Spotify, anywhere else that you want to guide them to get the podcast or spotify the move spotify is the move i mean it's everywhere so i mean you can listen wherever but you know spotify you actually get episodes early you get like uh bonus episodes you get the custom playlists and all that so you know who doesn't love a good bonus thing (laughs) behind the influence is a production of iHeartRadio and tdc media this is malcolm gladwell from revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.